You're listening to the Choosing Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Robison. Every day we have the choice to walk in the freedom Christ offers or to lay it down in surrender to something other than the abundant life we are meant to live. God is actively pursuing you. He has an amazing plan for your life, and that plan includes walking in freedom. The Choosing Freedom Podcast is a place for us to discuss how we strategically apply the truth of who God says we are to the lies we believe and the challenges we face. So bring your brokenness, insecurities, and whatever holds you back and join us for authentic conversations about real issues, real hope, and real life change. No matter what you woke up to this morning, I want to remind you that God has an incredible plan for your life. And today, we're going to talk about another way we can lay hold of our purpose and pursue His best for us right here, right now, in the middle of the busy, in the middle of the crazy. Let's talk rest and perseverance. Maybe you're feeling completely worn out, exhausted. You just feel undone on multiple levels. Everything you have does not seem to be enough today. Or maybe you feel like it hasn't been enough for a long time. Maybe you're wondering what your purpose is because all your time seems to be spent putting out fires that keep popping up one after the other or trying to meet expectation after expectation. Maybe you're thinking that your goal is simply to survive the day. Maybe your thoughts aren't even that positive. We'll chip away at the cloak of heaviness that presses in on you and examine that avalanche of thoughts that has brought you here. Whether you feel it or not, you are not alone. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God has a plan for you, and He declared that plan is to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. If you and I were sitting together one-on-one, maybe hanging out at a quaint little coffee shop or sitting at a picnic table at the park, or maybe we could be on FaceTime stuck in traffic, less fun, but sometimes more realistic, and I asked you what your three predominant thoughts are in this moment, what would you tell me? Would you tell me that You're just plain tired, physically tired. Sometimes one of the best things we can do for ourselves and the innocent people who have to be around us is to take a nap. But maybe you would tell me that you feel overwhelmed, that you're stressed, you're anxious. Maybe you're dealing with a really hard situation right now. Maybe you're overcommitted and you don't know how to keep all the plates spinning. Maybe you feel like there's not enough hours in the day to finish all that's expected of you. There are all kinds of reasons why we feel weary and worn, but sometimes our minds go in so many directions that our bodies feel just as burned out physically as if we had been performing manual labor. Most of us can identify with the feeling of needing some relief from the constant pummeling of a busy life in a broken world. Some of us may find ourselves in circumstances that, for whatever reason, beyond our control, may not change anytime soon. So if we are to find relief and rest, It will have to be a divine intervention that begins on the inside. So that's where we're going to start. Where is our identity in the overwhelming? How do we perceive ourselves in those moments? Are we allowing the circumstances around us to choose our mindset for us? Or do we step into the heaviness of the situation knowing we are positioned and equipped for impact, even on the hard days? Are we approaching our day our commitments from a position of acceptance? Or are we hoping that something we accomplish or something or someone we are exposed to today validates us? Let's think about what we're thinking about. In this episode, we're going to talk about what it looks like to rest while continuing to persevere. And boy, do I need this one. 
Before we jump into our first scripture, let me touch on the importance of protecting our input. What we allow to influence us at the beginning of our day often sets the tone for everything that follows. If we grab our phones as soon as we wake up and start scrolling through social media, reading the news, or checking emails, we ramp up our brains in the direction of whatever the world chooses to throw at us first. This is a setup for negative, overwhelming thought patterns. Let's be intentional with the precious access to our minds and hearts in the early hours. I know certain seasons of life make this harder than others, but let me encourage you that something as simple as having an index card by your bed with the truth about who you are in Christ written on it that you read every morning or playing an inspirational song when you first wake up. For example, this morning I played He's Crazy About You by Taryn Wells before I even got out of bed. Or you could read a short devotion. Saying a prayer of gratitude and a request for wisdom and strength can literally change the entire rest of your day. And when your day improves, you are better able to encourage and influence others. Don't overcomplicate the method. Keep it simple, but guard your intake. Now I'm going to jump around among a few verses, so hang in there with me. In Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I feel like this verse was written from a perspective of compassion and kindness. And I know this may not sound appropriate, much less spiritual, but I kind of jumped over the first part of that scripture and got caught up in putting on a new yoke. And I'm thinking, putting on a new yoke, that sounds like one more thing for me to do today. And I just said I'm already depleted. And then I catch my thoughts veering off the tracks and I have to rein myself back in. I have to admit, sometimes when I read scripture, it feels like it goes right over my head. And in the past, I remember wondering what I was doing wrong that made it hard for me to understand scripture better than I did. If you ever feel like that, you are in good company. Here is where we can put some of our training from earlier podcasts to work against the lie that we don't have what it takes to understand scripture or to hear God's leading. Let's take 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 and armor up. Remember that one? It told us that with the weapons we fight with, we demolish every claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. For me, that may sound something like, God, as I try to read your word, there's a lot I don't understand. Thank you that you want me to know you better. Take the thoughts that say I'm not capable of understanding your word or that your word isn't relative in today's world. Take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to you. Help me understand your heart. Or, God, thank you that you are not a God of confusion. Show me what you want me to know about and reference whatever the scripture says in Jesus' name. Your prayer doesn't have to be formal or fancy. You don't even have to close your eyes. Just open the lines of communication. Also, if you're ready to do some reading on your own, I personally recommend a good study Bible if you don't already have one. The internet can show us scripture in a flash, but it doesn't give us the background info of the verses or other study references, which can be really helpful in understanding what we're reading. And I personally like to underline, highlight, make notes in my Bible. It makes it more personal for me, and I can't do that online. Plus, if I'm using my phone, I'm a lot more likely to be distracted by notifications coming through while I'm trying to read. But there's no wrong way to do it, so do what works for you. Okay, so we took our thoughts captive and acknowledged that God isn't here to confuse us. Now let's take a closer look at the scripture in Matthew 11 from the beginning. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. What does that look like? 
If you're not yet familiar with talking to God, let me encourage you. It's the simplest thing. For real, stay with me here. God wants us to come to Him in prayer. He created us in His image for fellowship. That absolutely, positively means you. He doesn't need us. He chose us. He very specifically chose you. Prayer is our love language with God. It's how we build relationship with Him. He literally wants to hang out with us. And He said He will give us rest when we choose to hang out with Him. So that's a truth. And what do we say? If it's a truth, we can turn it into a prayer. Be genuine. Be upfront with Him. That may sound something like, God, I am so tired. And you tell me to come to you when I feel like this and that you will give me rest. Sometimes I feel like the expectations of me are more than I can handle. Like there's no way I can measure up. How do I rest in you with all that's going on around me? Teach me what you want me to know about resting in you. In Jesus' name. Or our prayer may include something like, God, my plate is full. I don't know how to do this. How do I chase my purpose when all I'm really trying to do is make it through dinner so I can go to bed and get up to do it all over again tomorrow? Show me what you want me to know about the situation I'm in right now. Keep asking Him to reveal your true identity as you lean in. Be raw. Be honest. Father, what does thriving in this situation look like for me? Because right now, I don't see it. Help me see myself the way you do. Help me see the potential you see in me, in Jesus' name. Back to resting. Often by the time I acknowledge I need rest, I'm at my wit's end. I actually needed rest a long time ago. I'm anxious. I'm all up in my feelings. I can't think past the hype of what I'm feeling in that exact moment. In the heat of it all, Philippians 4 tosses us a lifeline of encouragement and tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Side note, supplication means asking earnestly or humbly. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a mouthful. But one of the coolest parts of this verse for me is the part about peace surpassing anything I can understand. That means we surrender on the front end of things that we have no idea how He can possibly quiet our soul in this moment. But we claim, preferably out loud, that we will stand on His promise that He will give us peace. And even if our emotions haven't caught up yet, we will say that over our situation over and over. God, I believe You will give me peace in this situation, and I cannot wait to see how You do it. We don't have to figure out the details. It's His problem now. That's a hard mic to drop right there, and it takes practice. And we often pick it right back up and try to fix our issues by ourselves or share our suggestions and our time demands with our all-knowing God who so graciously keeps listening and tolerating. And sometimes I imagine Him gently shaking His head at all my efforts to help Him help me. And then we break down and surrender again. And we repent for taking it back. And again, He showers grace and mercy. It's a cycle of our flesh to keep returning to the scene of the heartbreak or the disappointment or the mistake. I think one of the biggest deterrents to not thinking about something is to focus on not thinking about it. Then we are constantly thinking about how we aren't supposed to still be thinking about it. And that makes us feel like we're losing the battle. And the enemy will try to tell us we are a failure because our thoughts keep running back. But that's a lie. So don't feel discouraged if you find yourself needing to repeatedly surrender your angst. 
God will repeatedly meet us in our repentance and cover us with His never-ending supply of redemption and restoration. Let's say some scripture over it as soon as the thought surfaces. Shut it down and replace it with truth. The verse tells us in everything, every single everything, in prayer, earnestly and humbly, with thanksgiving. Don't miss the chance to be thankful. To tell him we know he's not a vending machine where we put something in and immediately he releases something to give us a quick fix for our small investment. This is where we tell him he is good and he is faithful. And whatever personal revelations he has shown you, insert your grateful heart right here. If you are drawing breath, you have something to be thankful for. Make your prayer personal. You don't need anyone else's words to talk to God. So we're praying earnestly, humbly, and with thanksgiving. And then we let our hearts cry out to Him. We tell Him our need and we ask for that peace that we don't have to understand to ask for. That's good stuff, y'all. Now let's circle back around to the verse about the yoke because we aren't quite done there. A yoke is a wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of an ox or oxen. The harness is attached to a piece of equipment like a plow or a cart that the oxen are to pull. From what I read, usually two are yoked to whatever they're pulling. So I did some digging into what this means to take the yoke of Jesus upon us because at first glance, I'm thinking, that sounds heavy. So how is it easy? And how do our burdens become lighter when we take it on? One explanation I found described this as yoking ourselves with Christ, like He is yoked beside us and helps us pull the load. Another explanation described this as a submission to His authority, which brings about rest for our souls, as in, we submit our hearts and surrender our baggage and our issues in prayer, and He helps us carry the heavy stuff. Further explanations include how we are strengthened to walk in the new strength He gives us when we surrender to Him and no longer try to carry our burdens by ourselves. He tells us to take His yoke and to learn from Him. This is a big goal for any of us wanting to live in freedom. We want to always be learning more about the heart of God. The more we learn about His heart, the better we can discern His will for us. And the more we trust Him, the more we trust Him, the more we learn to accept who He says we are. Back to the verse. To be honest, I don't think I focus much on the portion of the scripture where he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now let's not confuse gentleness with weakness. That's not who he is. I'll quickly segue over to Matthew 21, where we find Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And verse five refers to him as your king, gentle and riding a donkey. But only seven verses later, he entered the temple area and started flipping tables because people were buying and selling and trying to make a profit, and they were crowding out the Gentiles who had come from all over to worship God. Side note, he was also flipping tables in John chapter 2, if you're interested in reading about that later. But I love to think about him deliberately telling us that he is gentle and humble in heart. Jesus wants us to know he's approachable. Isn't that the sweetest reminder? that our all-powerful over everything and every inch of this immeasurable universe God wants us to know that He is gentle and humble in heart. He wants us to come to Him when we are weary and burdened, and He offers to take the heavy loads from our aching backs and throw them over His own shoulder, not because we deserve it, not because we haven't screwed anything up today, but because He has already covered all of our mistakes. He has already shed His blood for our greatest heartache, and He sees us as worthy of His time. In John 15, 15, He said, You are His friend, 
He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to tell him the desires of your heart. He wants to give you rest and peace. He wants to help you complete the tasks which he assigned to you. What would that look like for you if you consider going to Jesus for rest? For the sake of this conversation, I tried to visualize myself approaching Jesus for rest and relief. I deliberately put any feelings of unworthiness to the side just so I could imagine in better detail. I tried to think about what that setting might look like, the kind of surroundings that would begin to put my mind and heart at ease and remind me to take a deep breath and to just be present in that moment. And I like to think that as I approach him, he would make eye contact with me with a very genuine half smile and this deliberate gaze that lets me know that he has been waiting for me and that he isn't too busy for me, that he's actually glad I came to talk to him and that he isn't in a hurry. I'm not sure what your schedule is like, but I feel like I'm typically in a hurry and a hurried mindset is exhausting. Unhurried Living has an article titled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. In the article, it talks about a conversation between John Ortberg and the late Dallas Willard. Ortberg is quoted as asking Willard what he needed to do to be spiritually healthy. After a long pause, Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It is said that Ortberg wrote the words down and then said, that's a good one. Now, what else is there? And Willard answered, there is nothing else. I don't encounter a lot of people who aren't in a hurry, but oh, how I want to be unhurried and unbusied and winning this thing, running my race with grace and patience and purpose. I want to love well and radiate encouragement every time I open my mouth. But sometimes I just really need to rest, to rest in Him, to let Him be the author and the perfecter of my faith, to strive less and trust more. In Galatians 6, 9, He tells us not to grow weary in doing good. But if we never rest, how do we avoid growing weary? While Jesus was never in a hurry, He was always purposeful. In Mark 6, 30 and 31, we read the disciples gathered around Jesus to tell Him all they had been doing and teaching. And while this was going on, there were so many following Jesus that He and the disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. So He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. In this scene, they have all been working hard to accomplish important goals. But even Christ Himself in human flesh needed rest to be best equipped for the next task. And in this case, it was going to be a miracle. That's a story for another time or for you to check out on your own. But our takeaway today is the importance of resting. So we are best able to complete the most important things. Even God during creation designated a day of rest. Why are we so prideful as to think we don't need respite? Sometimes we may be facing obstacles that are no fault of our own, but sometimes we borrow trouble. This is our intentional call to look inward. What lies could we be listening to that may push us to strive like we have to earn our place? Let's ask God to show us where we place our faith, not where we say we place it, but where our time and energy show we place it. What are we running after? Whose approval are we chasing? Sometimes we put faith in our jobs or our bank account or other worldly possessions. Sometimes we put our confidence in our social status or in certain abilities we have. Sometimes we put our focus on the acceptance of another person, no matter the cost. Anything that we place before God can quickly become an idol. And it's not that we set out to form an idol. Our intentions may have been on the up and up, but somewhere along the way, we may have given priority to how something other than God made us feel. Something or someone else made us feel popular, included, or powerful. 
validated, beautiful, accepted, worthy, understood. And our flesh is so drawn to that instant gratification that before we know it, we can be consumed with performing in a way that keeps the instant gratification coming because worldly acclaim never lasts long enough. And the pace we keep trying to maintain it can be utterly exhausting. I think many times we use the word rest and the word peace interchangeably. Sometimes what we're really searching for is peace because if our minds could be at peace, rest would show up there also. In Ephesians 6.15, we are told that our feet are to be fitted with the gospel of peace as part of the armor of God, which we are instructed to put on to take our stand against the schemes of the devil. The verse says our feet are to be fitted with readiness. It's interesting that the gospel of peace is described for our feet. So that means with every step we take, we are to land on peace. We steady our balance on peace. Wherever we go, that peace is out in front of us. When we are called to step into something new, it's always meant to be with peace going first, just ahead of us. The definition of peace is freedom from disturbance, a state or period in which there is not war or war has ended. What would you define as the opposite of peace? I would probably say for me, that would be anxiety or worry. In Priscilla Shire's study, The Armor of God, she writes, Of all the things the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, peace is almost always at or near the top of the list. He intentionally stirs up discord, division, disruption, and disturbance, both within you and around you. He wants you uneasy, unbalanced, filled with anxiety, worry, and turmoil, lacking peace. Mark it down. Whenever you feel an overriding sense of unrest inside or overwhelming distress in your relationships, the enemy is somewhere in the middle, stirring it up. Anywhere peace is lacking, you can be sure he's at work. The study goes on to remind us that our past sins, even if we've confessed them and been forgiven, provide the enemy with options to use to try to disrupt our peace or to keep us paralyzed in guilt, condemnation, discord, anything to cloud our view of or break our focus on God. This doesn't mean we didn't receive forgiveness. It means the enemy is checking to see if you have accepted the forgiveness, which has been granted to you. Remember, there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. If you've felt conviction and have already confessed your sin to God and asked his forgiveness, it is finished. There is no condemnation in Christ. Don't listen to any thoughts that tell you otherwise. Don't believe that lie. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction is meant to point us to confession, to God, where we receive forgiveness and redemption. Condemnation is meant to crush us. Louis Giglio is quoted as saying, the enemy bringing up your past to condemn you is like somebody robbing your old house. You don't live there anymore. That's not your stuff. Consider what lies you may be believing that are hindering your peace of mind. What unrealistic expectations are you striving to meet? What thoughts are blocking your rest? Ask God to remove any spiritual blinders to reveal anything holding you back. And then start replacing those lies with truth. John 4, 4 reminds us that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We are not meant to face hardship or struggle alone. We are not meant to strive to the point of mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical exhaustion without ever finding rest. Much of our rat race mentality comes from a root of fear, fear of failure, fear of not being loved, not having approval, not feeling worthy, an unrealistic fear that the sky may actually fall if we don't check all the boxes on our to-do list. And sometimes the anxious thoughts are from a blind side, a blow we didn't see coming, an obstacle that we didn't ask for and never wanted. It can all leave us emotionally fragile and mentally depleted. 
Second Chronicles 2015 gives us a glimpse into the fear that can accompany the battles we face. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came to God as he was about to be attacked by enemy armies. Jehoshaphat said to God, We are outnumbered and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the Lord said, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God then gave specific instructions to the king, which included taking his position and standing firm, then watching the deliverance the Lord would provide. The narrative goes on to say that the following morning, the king did as instructed and appointed men to sing praises to the Lord as they led their army to take their appointed position. In verse 22, we read, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord began to defeat their enemies. We may not fight an enemy army, but every day we are faced with hardships and temptations and distractions and struggles, and some of them feel like they just may take us out. I encourage you to talk to God about what's on your heart. Ask Him to fight for you. Ask Him to help you stand firm, to sing praises to Him, even as you wait for your deliverance. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, tells us that we can rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. I don't believe there's a single one of us who finds it natural to rejoice in suffering. As a matter of fact, I believe we go to great lengths to avoid any portion of suffering, if given the option. I think one of the takeaways from this verse is that though this broken world does bring about suffering as a consequence of the fall, we can find a way to rejoice because we are chosen by Him. We are His beloved. Are we claiming the equipping God promises to give us when we face hardship? Take the scriptures and turn them into personal prayers. Insert your name in them. Ask Him to reveal to you if you are allowing access to anything or anyone that hinders your pursuit of Him. Pray for divine revelations of truth, truth about who you are in Him, truth about how He sees you, truth about how He has positioned you for impact. Expose yourself to the truths that equip you. That may be praise music or podcasts that encourage you, books that point you to the truth about who God designed you to be. Certainly, the Bible itself is full of scriptures telling us how God feels about us. Place handwritten scriptures around your home or in your car to remind you how loved you are. Check out the Choosing Freedom show notes for this episode for some song recommendations to encourage you. And by all means, look for someone you can encourage. Notice someone others miss. This is one of my favorite challenges. I literally have a timer set in my phone to remind me of this, not because I'm a good person or because I'm more spiritual than anyone else, but because I so easily forget. I rush and I hurry And in so doing, I miss opportunities that I don't want to miss. We never know when our kind words could be life-altering for someone who feels overlooked. Pray not to miss an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else, but be confident in being kind. Be generous, even with something as simple as your smile or a hello as you pass by. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God wants you to have joy in the midst of persevering. Ask Him how you live out the demands of today from a position of victory, of resting in Him, of persevering, not because of who you are, but because of who He is and what He has done for you. Stand in the identity Christ died to give you and choose your freedom. Thank you for listening to the Choosing Freedom podcast. If this episode blessed you, please help others find us. 
first, we hope you will subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Then if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This makes it easier for others to find us and it is a great way for us to get to know a little bit about you. We would also love for you to share this episode with someone you care about. You can follow Choosing Freedom on Instagram and Facebook at Choosing Freedom Podcast and on Twitter at I Chose Freedom 23. If you or someone you know have a testimony that relates to your freedom in Christ and you would like for us to consider reading it on a future episode, email us at choosingfreedompodcast at gmail.com. We are so grateful for you and look forward to our next time together on the Choosing Freedom Podcast. Podcast.